Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. We'll, ma- we'll launder money. We'll tell you how to launder money. We got all sorts of things going on here. Pete Thamel. I'm rowing the boat for you, Dan. Row I'm the in. boat. <laughs> My oar is in the water. And SI's Pat Forty. <laughs> Why did you do it? Why? Why did you walk off the field against <laughs> Northwestern? And here's Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. It's kind of the dead week of college football. We have one good game this weekend. Ohio State, Penn State. Thank you, Big Ten, for scheduling something. Kind of, this weekend just is always a depressing one. And I get why everyone does it. But it's just like, you're all revved up for the season. It's, it's, it's you know, and then you just get, you get garbage. The SEC and ACC play a combined eight non-conference games this weekend, essentially bye games. It's a bye week or an inactive week or whatever you want to call it. The average win total for these eight opponents, they have won 4.75 games. Yeehaw. Tailgate guys are, are, are getting bottom of the barrel prices this week. <laughs> it's a tough week for the tailgate guys. They were yeah. swimming in money after LSU Alabama, but I think you can get the, the nicest tailgate for just a couple bucks. <laughs> you you almost like have to thank Fox here for putting the one game on at noon and them saying, you know what? You get a Saturday night off, you know, like it's like a bye week for the fans. Like take your girlfriend, wife out, take your husband, right? Yeah. Schedule, get the leaves raked. Yep. Right. It is. It, yep. I will give that. That is, that is pretty good. There's some doozies here. So I actually wanted to start with this before we get to the Ohio state, Penn state and all the other mayhem I, I've dug up because we had to dig deep. This is, this podcast <laughs> is going, is going deep. We're trying hard for you, listeners. We're trying hard. <laughs> do you really want to discuss Derek Mason getting extended? Do you really? No, I don't think you do. We're here to save you from oh, I think he yeah. might still turn it around at Van. No, he won't. <laughs> Cut to the chase. We're not going to bore you with that crap. But, okay. If you had to attend a game this weekend that does not involve Ohio State or Penn State, just my little list of, of horrid basically Sully's list, but I, I, I support it. Which game would you attend? Okay. So you two pay attention. I don't have to read the list five times because neither of you two are paying attention. Okay. I'm it's paying attention. I'm listening. Okay? Are you dialed in? I am. Are you elite? Are we going to have an elite podcast today? You can't count on family. 
<laughs> I'm rowing the boat for you, Dan. Row I'm the in. boat. My oar is in the water. <laughs> NC State at Georgia Tech, a Thursday night primetime special. I mean, games in Atlanta. Right. All right. You can have fun in airport. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Big airport. The teams combined are bowl eligible, too. Combined. Yeah. Arkansas at LSU. Always a good place to see a game. Arkansas is getting 44 points in this. Yeah, that uh, one's that's that's got tailgate appeal because they'll go hard at the LSU tailgate, even if the game will be terrible. Yeah, there's no reason to take the foot off the gas at that tailgate. You know, no, no, <laughs> no he's going to go in for a quarter. Yeah, you're going to yeah. go in for a quarter and you're going to be back out. The battle of Interstate Ten, the I Ten battle. Both teams are one and nine, so it's the uh, I Ten I Nine basically. That's UTEP New Mexico, New Mexico and UTEP. Okay, yeah, New Mexico State. UTEP is going to New Mexico State. There's a there's that might not be worth the gas money. You're not even in El Paso in the Sun Bowl, which I think is See, one of the great stadiums. Yeah, if it's at the Sun Bowl, I would consider that. But uh, right. in Las Cruces, no, that's a that's a salty little basketball rivalry going back forever. They play each other twice a year. They play home and home football. No, thank you. It's it is truly nasty down there. It is a real battle. And then I'll give you a little just a student thing because I spent a lot of time in El Paso. New Mexico State decided to give in-state tuition to anyone who's from El Paso schools to try to steal uh-huh. away the students. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ooh, <laughs> that's that's real. That's real rivalry stuff. That there. was a real, yeah, that's real stuff. Michigan State at Rutgers. <laughs> BYU yeah. at UMass. UMass is hosting this sucker, <laughs> and the poor bar owners of Hammers finally get a major <laughs> team to come. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> tricks on you yeah <laughs> the liquor stores are like this is the biggest game in years oh BYU. <laughs> liquor 44s will survive i'm sure see i'm disappointed the weather in amherst is only late it's gonna be like 41 and partly cloudy i was i was hoping for like 28 and sleet so i'd yeah. have i'd have my spf out for that considering yeah. it was like today when i just ventured outside <laughs> east carolina at yukon boy cool. new england's really <laughs> you could do a double you double could go day. Amherst, depending on the times of the game, you could do the Amherst stores double. Yep. You could get with Randy Edsel and party on his bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. Same weather at UConn as it will be at UMass. Disappointingly yeah, mild. Should just really just have one school together. They should just combine <laughs> them. North Texas at Rice. Mm. Uh, uh, you know what? I like Rice's campus. Little Rice area campus, around Houston. there. What's that bar we go to when uh, when we're in down there? It's yeah. now closed, but it's uh, a great not bar. a surprise. <laughs> Carter Blackburn's bar. Um, <clears throat> he 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 dubbed it the best dive bar in Conference USA. Once. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's really like a badge of honor. Quite an honor, you know. Carter Blackburn calls a lot of games on the CBS Sports <laughs> Network basketball <laughs> games, and so he dubbed it once that. Got to really like it. K's no, I, Lounge. I, Sorry, K's yeah. Lounge yeah. is the yeah. now since departed bar in the uh, in the greater Houston era. Tom Hart, who listens to our show, has darkened the door of K's Lounge with with Carter in the past. A fine dive. We'll pour a little out for pour yeah. a little out for K. 
I'm starting to think I, I, I had a stroke of genius here on the combined UMass UConn football program. Like <laughs> when two high schools are out of kids now, yeah. you got to have the joint team. Like they call it like, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. central Northern United team. Right? That team might be able to beat BYU combined. <laughs> Maybe they might. And, and you just play a couple know. home games on each stadium. So the fans don't get tired because they don't really want to watch like seven home games, six home games. I think this is it. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with something here. A little, little. All right. There's an hour and 24 minutes between them. It looks like you can meet in Palmer, Massachusetts, Holyoke or Chicopee, Massachusetts. Oh, so they yeah. can play there. You gotta meet in where at that point where I'm from. It's next door to <laughs> Belchertown. Go to Belchertown. Yeah, okay. okay. Mod, right. Pop, Thamel are still in where. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'd rather put a Holyoke or a Chicopee byline on, on a story. It's a though. lot of four one three talk. I'm sure. I'm sure our <laughs> podcast is huge in Western Mass. <laughs> yes, if anyone in Western Mass listens to this podcast, please tweet at us. We will. We will. We will delight you with more Holyoke talk uh, than you can handle. We can make TJ Gasnola the honorary captain for the game. Yeah, Gasnola <laughs> could be the wheel the man. Well, he could. He could clearly cut some deals to get the teams together. Like you know that that would be that would be right in his wheelhouse. Get a sneaker deal. Yeah, no, he could uh, he could totally he could totally do that. There's others, but these games are terrible. What what? So which one would you pick, Pat? I think you're going for the double dip. Uh, yeah, in the Northeast. Nah, nah, man, no, nah, no. Nah. I'm I'm going to Baton Rouge, and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna eat jambalaya in the in the parking lot or in the the area around the stadium with the fans there. And yes, I'll do the, I'll do the what you recommended, go in for a quarter and then back out and then on to New Orleans after the game and yep, it's on. Blackout train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take the blackout train to New Orleans. <laughs> Pete, I'm taking the home game, man. I ain't getting on a plane if I'm going to if I'm going to play this game, I'm getting in my car, <laughs> I'm driving the hour and a half, I'm showing up Wetzel style 4 minutes before kick and <laughs> yep. then I'm not going to stay for the press conference. I'll call yeah. Walt Bell on the way home for quotes. <laughs> and uh, congratulate Kalani Sataki on Twitter for his contract extension. If, if I'm it. doing this, I'm putting in minimal effort. You Stop need to stay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely to ask, ask Walt Bell the eight day. What would be an eight day old question by then? <laughs> Why did you do it? Why, Why didn't you guys try? Why to score? did you walk off the field against <laughs> Northwestern? I think what we really need to do is put an over under on the number of years Pat will get viscerally angry when Walt Bell's name comes up. I would set it at four and a half years. As long as he's alive. <laughs> in a in a pick <laughs> contest that he's already hopelessly out of, <laughs> that doesn't have any money involved, Pat Forty gets this angry. That's right. I'm taking oh. UTEP and New Mexico State. Great Mexican food down there. Go to <laughs> I just hang out in UTEP at, in El Paso. Love that city. I go to the Sun Bowl, even if the game isn't there. I, I loved your tweet this week that you thought Kentucky basketball just plays Yahtzee instead of practice. Have you seen them play? I mean, it's unbelievable. Have you seen them play? I just had this image like Yahtzee. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey. Hey, look, I got three sixes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, here's my quote for Walt Bell. I'm going with what Ahab said to, about uh, Moby Dick. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. Pat, <laughs> don't ever actually gamble. Like, because if you actually had money riding on this, can you imagine how angry? It wouldn't be healthy. <laughs> Second no, straight just... podcast, we're, we're lamenting Walt Bell's <laughs> refusal to go for a score. 
<laughs> first and goal against Northwestern when he just needed one point to cover the spread. I mean, I'm still chapped about it, and there's a lot of guys in Western Mass that bet on that team. <laughs> sure. I, but it's it's a 41 to 6 game. He's got 45 healthy scholarship players. Just just he's trying to get through the season, man. No, 45 you to 6. You, nobody's going to get hurt throwing the ball in the end zone twice. Throw the damn ball. <laughs> Don't quit. There's no quit in the minute, man. Did they quit at Bunker Hill? No. <laughs> they quit in Evanston. Yeah, they covered. What was the they, line at Bunker Hill? How many red covered. coats were favored? Hell yeah, they, they covered. Cut? They waited to the whites of their eyes, and then they shot the hell out of them. Look it. You got a chance for a kid to score a touchdown in a Big Ten stadium. He'll tell that story for the rest of his life. I scored a exactly. TV against Northwestern. Oh, really, Grandpa? That's amazing. Yeah, it was at the end of a 44, 45 to whatever beatdown, but doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's you giving those guys a chance to score a touchdown against a Big Ten team. But no, Walt Bell's got to walk off so we can go be chummy with Pat Fitzgerald. Eh? You know, I wasn't going to do anything stupid there, pull any stunts. Whatever. Score the touchdown. Pat Fitzgerald ran an onside kick on you. He did. <laughs> what on. was the kid that, that it was the basketball game? It might have been him against Kansas or, or somebody. Oh, yeah. Down by 50 points. Kid My from Monmouth or the ball. something. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, Monmouth. yeah. Monmouth stole the ball and dunked yeah. it on him and got a T. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Every time. That's what I'm I talking didn't, about. I didn't look the kid up, but I bet he was from Jersey. He looked like he was like a <laughs> North Jersey kid. <laughs> yeah. He's Newark. He's yeah. Orange. I'm going to look this up as we get, because you guys are going to, I'll throw this to you, Pete, and I'm going to find out the details on that. Ohio State, Penn State is the game of the weekend, obviously. Huge playoff implications. Penn State can still get in, I think, maybe. I mean, they got a chance to beat Ohio State. They can win the East. They can avenge their loss against Minnesota. Ohio State obviously is in if they keep trucking. If they lose this game somehow, I don't know if they have a, a, a way in as, a, as an 11-1, and one, but it'd be interesting. The most interesting pregame thing about this, Penn State is getting 18 points. Vegas does not believe in the Nittany Lions. Let's start with you, Pete. Your thoughts on this game, and is that a fair line? I like my role in this podcast. Dan's like, talk for a while, because I'm going to look up some goofy <laughs> stuff about a guy from Monmouth who dunked in Fog <laughs> Allen. Fill two minutes of blather about football, then we're going to cut you off, and we're going to talk about more nonsense. I, I need to not I'm comfortable with my role, that's all. Yeah. Know your role. I think Vegas set that line at what it is because they watched Penn State the last two weeks. Penn State has been fairly mediocre. They went and played a good you know, a very good Minnesota team and quite frankly got pushed around. And then they had Indiana at home and the game was in peril going into the fourth quarter. If you look at what Ohio State has done with sort of that middle class of the Big Ten, they've just they've just flat trucked them. So can Penn State win? Sure. Will they win? I don't think so. It, I think the environment there is going to be special. I think Chase Young coming back, he's a huge source of energy for that team and that defense. And it's just a game changer in terms of the, the pressure he could put on the quarterback. It'll be interesting to see. I thought that the, the Wisconsin game really did a great job highlighting just his diamondism and the way he impacts the game and makes plays. And he almost like needs to have three games worth of production essentially against Penn State in this one game. Like, will he come out over eager? Will he be able to produce the same way? Is Penn State's game plan going to be compromised by trying to chip him? I, I really think he is in a lot of ways the focus of this game. But I really think the way that Minnesota was able to control the game and move the ball against Penn State's defense and the way Indiana, if they don't go for that dunderhead fake punt and uh, have another huge special teams gaffe, that, that, is a, that is a neck and neck game. So 
I actually think that Ohio State covers, I don't want to say easily, it's not like they're going to win 42 to nothing, but I do think they are clearly three touchdowns better than Penn State. I, I think it'll be an interesting game, but I don't think in the, in the end it'll be as much. I mean, last year's game at Penn State was like a riveting, taut, you know, uh, Penn State jumps up, Ohio State scrambles back, you know, Trace McSorley's making plays. All over. I remember thinking in the third quarter of that game, like Trace McSorley might win the Heisman. And Ohio State pulled one of those sort of, you know, miraculous comebacks out of the bag. I think it was Benjamin Victor who had the big play going down, uh, going down the other side of the field. Yeah, I feel like the, the the stage is set for Ohio State's sort of march to the Big Ten East like we thought all along. Pat, as Dan is clearly locked in, we can see on Skype trying to find it. goofy nonsense. Pat, would you like to fill two minutes of uh, filibustering, analyzing the football game? You went about 225 there, so you did pretty good. I okay. got my info, but I want to hear what Pat's got to say about this. Do, do your job. Yeah. Yep. Your, your info can wait. I agree with basically everything Pete said with uh, two exceptions, two things that make me look at it a little bit differently. I do think Ohio State's going to win. I think they're going to win relatively handily. I don't know whether they're going to cover that monster spread. The last three games between these teams have been decided by a total of five points. Ohio State by one last year. Ohio State by one the year before. Penn State by three the year before that. In all three of those games, the team that won was down double digits in the fourth quarter and had to come back. So, I mean, these have been unbelievable games. Great games, taut, dramatic. I, I think that there is a definite gap between these teams this year, but I think there was a gap before. I think this is the game that Penn State plays their best game every year, at least has the last few. So, you know, I expect Penn State to, to ratchet it up. Chase Young is absolutely, they've got a game plan around him. The one thing that they have to their advantage to a degree, which they also had the last couple of years, is a mobile quarterback. Jack Cohn was the sitting duck more or less. Sean Clifford's a good runner. He's run for 50 or more yards, I think, five times this year. He was very important running the ball against Indiana. So I think Penn State can keep it close. I just don't think they have the horses to win the game. But I'm, I'm very much looking forward to see it, not only because it's the only good game, but because this has been – one of the best games to watch the last three years in a row. George Pappas is the Mon Monmouth player. All right. Where's he from? Union Catholic, but uh, hometown, Jersey City. Oh, Boom. Pete nailed it. Not I mean, that the just... Monmouth really recruits nationally, so you had a pretty good <laughs> chance. Hey, don't sell <laughs> King Rice short, okay? He went from Binghamton to North Carolina to play, all right? <laughs> King's got some reach. Let's see. Let's see what kind of reach he's What got. year was it, Pat, that Monmouth got totally screwed by the committee? Remember they beat like yeah. Notre Dame, USC, I think Georgetown, and yeah. they didn't get in? Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, that was like 17, maybe? Yeah. Might have been a little bit. Yeah. Maybe 16? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was one of the better, like, low major cases to make the tournament ever. Right. I'm sure that 8 and 10 Iowa team that they got in over him really like captured America's heart. So good yeah. job, committee. You know, that was a metaphorical <laughs> Iowa team, by the way. I know we have a lot of listeners in Iowa. So uh, I don't that's wanna, true. Yeah, I don't want them to like throw their bush light can against the wall and be like, "We were ten and eight in the Big Ten that year." Top three this week should be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson. I'm guessing who should be number four. Georgia was last week. I'm guessing they don't move. Or do you, you pop Georgia up above Clemson? Who's number four this week? Pat, we'll start with you. Well, now this is what the committee needs to do is actually move this thing to Wednesday so they can listen to this pod and get it right because yeah. we'll tell them what to do. We'll tell them the right way to do this if they will simply pay attention. If, if they're not going to just be subversive and try to entertain themselves, then you keep Georgia at four. Good win for Georgia. If they were already number four, it was a good win at Auburn. Controlled the game. It got close at the end. We talked about that on the overreaction pod, but 
they, you know, they, they were in charge of that game pretty much the whole way. So I think you keep Georgia four. The question, the big question, obviously, is going to be Alabama and, and where they end up. But uh, that's that. If they're listening to us, which they should be, Georgia should remain number four. They almost want to do themselves a favor and just bury Alabama now. Put Oregon ahead of them. Put Utah ahead of them. Put Oklahoma ahead of them. Send them out that way. Like if you keep them around there and they beat Auburn, you know, which has zero pass game, twenty-four to three you're sort of inserting them back in the conversation now where I don't think Alabama without Tua. Now, we don't know because we have to see Mac Jones and everything like that, but I don't think they have the resume, first of all, that should put them in this conversation. And without Tua, it really is it really is detrimental to their, uh, to their case. So, yes, the anti-Alabama bias, which you hear about all the time, right, will be, uh, will be in effect this week. The anti-Alabama, that's right. We yes. got the anti one. That's, I like when people say you're just writing like about like, Mississippi football just for the clicks because you know that's a big <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah it's one of I my know. favorites like, oh yeah just right now for the if I want to write for the clicks I'd say that uh the Patriots should fire Tom Brady and bring Colin Kaepernick in okay that, <laughs> yes. that yeah, that's where he hires the Trump clicks. as his personal quarterback coach yeah that right. would get you clicks <laughs> that breaks the internet most of you guys have a way overinflated opinion of what who actually reads about your schools isn't that the truth you have a chaos theory that you're hoping for. What's your favorite chaos theory of, of, of you know, the committee just everyone's got two losses or I don't know what. You got one, Pete, Pat? Yeah, I, I, I got one. It involves Texas A&M and maybe, maybe the help of Jimbo's nephew, who, remember, was a, a big star of the Ooh. podcast last year for Ooh, yeah. getting into the altercation after that 7-0-T game against LSU. Mm. Texas A&M this week beats Georgia. Georgia's got two losses. Then they come back the next week and they beat LSU. LSU's got a loss. LSU goes to the championship game, loses to Georgia. Georgia has two losses. LSU has two losses. Who's still sitting there with one loss? Alabama. Do you leave the SEC out? Do you bring in the tide with Mac Jones and without Tua? Oh, there could be a lot of Sturm und Drang if it comes down to that. Oh, man, would that be good? Yeah. Mm. That's asking a lot of Texas A&M, by the way. It was beating nobody of worth, but dare to dream. Dare to dream. Hey, Jimbo was quoted this week in saying he's loving how Kellen Mond's playing. So (laughs) there you you go. You never know. There you go. Done. I'm going to go with the boat rowers upsetting the Buckeyes in the Big Ten title game. All right. So say that it's uh, say Minnesota gets through Northwestern this week and then proceeds to uh to beat Wisconsin to end the regular season, which is in Minnesota, very likely they'll be favored in that game. And then the boat rowers go and win. Like, what do you what do you do with Minnesota? They have a Baylor esque non conference schedule, like garbage, and but they're the Big Ten champions. And then like, where do you where do you put one loss Ohio State in all that? I think that could that could really throw some mass chaos in that because. You can't put an Ohio State if they just lost to Minnesota for the conference championship. That's why they have those like guidelines in there. So they would obviously lose as a field goal at the buzzer, just so you know. Like any oh, mass chaos theory involves the proverbial a field goal. Yes, yes. No, we need to can. name that field goal like the Stenerud or some. So who, who's kicked the most famous field goal in college football history? College football. Oh boy. Um, I tell you, you know, one of the ride whites. 
it was pretty well uh, underrated, but the dude from Auburn made the field goal to win the national championship against uh, Oregon, right? That game that everybody thought was going to be they've had a Carlson kicking at Auburn for like 25 years. Yeah, right, right. That was great-grandpa Carlson in 2010, 2009. Boy, what would it be? That's a good question. Remember that? The one that popped into my head was that, I don't know who the kicker was, from Boston College, he kicked that one against Notre Dame after Notre Dame. David, uh, he's like a cult hero around here. David... Uh, that just uh, sounds like that was just like David memorable. Gordon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that, that was a shocker. Like Notre Dame yeah. was going to win the national title. And then that BC beats them out of nowhere. Yeah. 93. First off, you can lose your last game and make the playoffs. So Ohio state could do it. Yeah. Oklahoma lost the big 12 championship game in 04 and the BCS just put them in. Yeah. That was stupid by the way. I mean, even if Minnesota beats Ohio State, Ohio State would probably have the better resume. Well, see, I think I, I, that that would get two Big Ten teams in, I think. They both go in. Yeah, not if, like, Clemson. Yeah, it's SEC champion. It's Clemson and two from the Big Ten. Not if Georgia beats LSU. But, yeah, it's possible. Two from the Big Ten. I mean, this is the problem with conference championship weekend. I've gone through this every year, and there's all these weeks where you're like, this team doesn't have to win. This team could win but still not get in. It's, right. it's just a, it's just this wrench in the system. The conference championship weekend doesn't doesn't work. It'd be so much better if after next week we just went eight, just be like, here's our eight, boom, everyone play. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what I I would love to see. Um, let's see what they do with uh with Minnesota. So I just went down the rabbit hole of reading the New York Times game story from November twenty first, nineteen ninety three. Malcolm Moran on the byline, a familiar name to huh. all of us. Uh, David Gordon's uh, kick. Maybe we call it the David Gordon principle. <laughs> That's like a, that's one of the most, I don't know if our listeners have any famous field goals that they want to, uh, that there has to be a more famous field goal than that. I'm sure I think of like kickers I've interviewed after like huge games, you know, like, like yeah. the, the Boise game, they went for two, you know, like the Bush, you know, the, the USC Texas game, Vince Young ran it in at the end. Um, I mean, we've Jerry had the, Thomas missed the wide, right one. That's what it. About, yeah, uh, you can't, there's you, some you missed, missed field, goals. field goal. Very, very missed, famous yes. missed field goals. Very the yes. kick six, the kick six. Exactly. Huge, right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and in the NFL, there's tons of them. Yeah. You know, yes. like it's funny, you know, like Vinatieri's yeah. got like five. Yeah. <laughs> it's just him. Call yep. it hashtag college kickers. Like there is no. Yeah, that's probably the absurdity of like having that at a field goal at the at the buzzer. Like, because nobody's actually ever had a field goal at the buzzer to win like a epic college game. Now I'm sure there's some. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, like the one that that Auburn made against Oregon was like a 23 yarder. So what about yeah. the Michigan State field goal to beat Ohio State in the in the shoe a couple of years ago? That was a big one. That was a very that, big field was, goal. Yes. Yeah, and that actually would have been terrible weather conditions. Yes, and the guy remember the guy did the air guitar. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name though. I, all I remember after that is going to Ezekiel Elliott, just killing the entire program. I'm like, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Urban learned on that. He learned on that. That is Michael Ezekiel Elliott game. Michael Geiger. Was yeah. yeah. Maybe we call it the Geiger principle. Oh, I like that. Geiger counter. Yeah. That day that Urban Meyer didn't give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott was one of the strangest things I've ever seen because Urban Meyer is the best at being like, give the ball to the best player. Right. I just watched Zeke Elliott play. Sunday at the Cowboys and he didn't get he, he they couldn't run because they were just taking him away but he made this catch on a on oh. a uh, screen pass where he put he holds the ball in one hand and puts his other hand down so it is I mean and afterwards Jason Garrett is like yeah he's a hell of a football player he's just a hell of a football player yeah. he had been yeah. sick that week and missed 
practice, Doesn't which matter. led to which led to some of that. Like he had not, like he was in the hospital for a day or two. I remember that. But yeah. you're right, Dan. That catch looked like like a Gold Glove shortstop making a backhand of a football. Insanity. Like it was just like his body was going like completely one way. It was that was a that was an amazing. Play. I I know he's not the MVP, and there's all these different guys in football, but like that guy's one of the greatest football players I've ever seen play football. I mean, he's just as a running back he's the modern day walter payton just whatever you want him to do he just does it and just physically you look at that like football football players are huge and strong and then you look at this guy and you're just like this is an absolute tank like, i don't know how i don't know how anyone tackles this guy i don't even know how you get on it all right one more note in the big 10 mark d'antonio says he's coming back and i don't know there's anyone in east lansing that can fire him his quote my intentions are there. Absolutely. My father always taught me to complete circles, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm trying to do. Uh, that's not really a well-thought-out quote. You complete <laughs> the circle, you're back where you started. D'Antonio <laughs> took over a team that had lost, had three straight losing seasons. So they'll well, probably go six and six this year. But uh, do you believe D'Antonio will be back, or is he just like saying, give me my $4.3 million you owe me on uh, January, and or I'm going to raise a stink here. Come get, Come get me. Yeah, well, he gets well, more if he gets fired. He gets seven million to get fired, and he gets four point three if he stays. D'Antonio has never used like a mainstream agent, and the fact that he, after all the success he's had there in the playoff, only gets seven million dollars that he gets fired is like contractual malfeasance. It's one of the dumbest deals I've ever seen in all my years covering college sports. Like that he's not protected better than that is just like he's left ten million plus on the table, easily ten million plus on the table, just really not well thought through it's like a it's like a team friendly deal basically you know like like tom brady would sign or whatever it's just i uh that i don't really think this is his call at this point like they've been bad enough and in a big enough rut and dug down deep enough and there is the deposition that he has to give regarding the curtis blackwell accusations you know regarding recruiting a player with a history of sexual assault who ended up in jail. So I just think that like, this is, this is bigger than Mark saying, you know, my dad taught me this, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The, the circle he's completing is like a zero, which is kind of like what they've put on the board a lot offensively this year. Uh, So good for him, but yeah, I think this is posturing as much as anything. This is basically come and get me. I'm not going to step down. I'm not going to make it easy on you. You know, you, you're going to you're going to have to step up and do it. And as you as you alluded to, Dan, is there anybody at that university right now who has the clout, who has the juice to change that? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see any indication that there is. So, you know, it might be one of those things where he's just going to win by attrition, more or less, or, or win a stalemate. So I don't know. It's uh fascinating really to see i mean there can't be anybody out there who's a michigan state fan saying all right mark wants to stay i mean you may be like well okay maybe we owe it to him or geez maybe he can get it going there's nobody excited by that news today by the way he was the coach on the other sideline when ezekiel elliott had 12 carries in that game so 26 against minnesota 27 against illinois 12 against michigan state 30 against michigan they got religion for that. Yeah, D'Antonio beat Urban Meyer twice, and that's why he's still getting paid up there, pretty much. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, legal news. I know we like, we like to play judge and jury here. I want to throw this out to you, two esteemed legal minds. <laughs> we have not sampled this. I thought we were going to because it kind of led. It, it, we, we've been all about the Popeye chicken, and we've really let this slip because this really leads to, to Pete's health ethos. Burger King, we know, has, has, has put out the impossible Whopper. 
the meatless Whopper. We're aware of this. Has anyone had the meatless Whopper? We're looking at you, Pete. Nobody's had. I've, <laughs> I haven't walked in. I literally walk by a Burger King on my street in South Boston <clears throat> every day, and I have not walked inside it in ten years. Sneaky good <laughs> breakfast. Yeah, sneaky good. So no, it, this is the Beyond Meat, which is like a phenomenon in the stock market. Like it came out. So uh, my sister is like a fairly big hippie. She works for a CBD oil company and she texted me some random Sunday night like last year. And she's like, can you buy Beyond Meat stock for me? And I was like, no, that's kind of complicated. And I'm like, man, you know, my sister went to UMass. What does she know about like finances? The stock like tripled the first day. I was like, my God. So I've like, yeah, I was like Marnie Thamel on the cusp, on the cutting edge. So I, um, yeah, so I've followed it since, and so it's really been this very interesting phenomenon. But I like meat. I pretty much only eat meat, actually, so in my, in my I, bizarre diet. I have I'm tried not- the Impossible Burger, and it, is, it tastes very much like, a, a, like meat. Now, I don't, it's not really any healthier. It just doesn't have meat in it. But it tastes – I did try one once. My friend had Why it is it not restaurant. healthier? Well, it might be healthier, but it's not like locale or – I'm sure or it's got sodium out yeah. through the roof, too. To make it taste good, they got to put all sorts of stuff in it. So it's not necessarily, it's better for like, I think, environment. My friend owns a, a restaurant. And he's like, you want to try this thing? And I, and I did. It was good. It's a good, it, like, you can't really tell. So if someone had just given it to at a barbecue, you would not have known it was not. A, especially if you're putting lettuce and tomato. Yeah. And yeah. You got all the stuff pickles. on it. You can't yeah. tell. So Burger King is doing this thing with the Whopper of all things, the sacred Whopper. Flame broiled <laughs> bro- beats fries. It beats fried. It's a Whopper's a good burger. But, and it's been a big hit, people are buying the Impossible Whopper. Uh, yeah. They've kind of boxed, boxed McDonald's in on something. So always, it's the never, I mean, we talk about the, the chicken wars. I mean, the burger wars have been going on for generations now. It will never end. It'll never end. Uh, we need a two-state solution on this. <laughs> BK, though, was sued on Monday. A vegan customer accused the fast food chain of contaminating its meatless Impossible Whopper by cooking them on the same grill as traditional meat burgers. Philip Williams said he bought an Impossible Whopper at an Atlanta drive-thru and would not have paid a premium price had he known the cooking would leave it coated in meat byproducts. (laughs) The lawsuit filed in Miami federal court seeks damages for all U.S. purchases of the Impossible. Oh, whoa. Go buy now. Could get in on it because Burger King it needs to plainly disclose the impossible whopper. All right, so here it is. Is there merit to this lawsuit, and or is this guy just a jerk? Burger King went the extra mile to give them a, 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 a meatless alternative, and this is how he treats them. <laughs> Pat, Judge oh, Judge Forty, what do you think? I have thoughts. I definitely have <laughs> thoughts. Uh, first of all. <laughs> It this has class action written all over it now. Yeah, you know, these lawyers are going to be pumping out emails and getting advertising. If you ate the meatless Whopper from a animal fat encrusted grill, you need to call us. <laughs> Seriously, they'll have one eight hundred. Yeah, Jim wins. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, but here's the thing: uh, Judge Forty rules strongly. On the side of Burger King, because if you're stupid enough to think that they're going to set up a different grill at the Burger King and where, where's this joker from? Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Like in the, the DeKalb Burger King. Uh, yeah. We're going to build a whole separate grill here for the vegan burgers. If you're that stupid, if you didn't think they're grilling it on the same damn grill as all the meat ones, you, you don't even deserve to walk into court with a case. Get out. Get out. 
Joe what, what of Pat Forty's great gifts is to is to brew anger towards topics <laughs> that really shouldn't brew resentment to that level. So why do you I think, think we that- keep doing this bit? This is why we do it. We get riled up. <laughs> I would think the only legal argument you would have if you had a religious objection to meat. But I'm not going to get angry about it. Like, <laughs> Again, if you don't if go to Burger King stated, if you got a religious objection to meat. Yes. Let me tell if, you, you what. if your religion doesn't allow you to eat meat and you were tricked into eating meat, I could understand maybe some sort of lawsuit. But at that point, just yeah, just stay away from Burger King. I'm ruling on Burger King. You walked into a, a restaurant named Burger <laughs> King. <laughs> the the logo is a burger. They literally mm. worship a guy who is the Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> this is a monarch. He is the ruler. He is the ruler of he Burger King. He's the ruler. Nation. Burger King is the ruler. He's got a big long cape. He's got a crown. <laughs> you know, there's no expectation for vegan. Just be pri- glad they kind of made an effort for you. Please, please. What a terrible lawsuit. We're I'm all in trouble, though, if the cows keep swimming away. Then we're all going to vegan burgers. All right. I got, I got another legal one. This is a pretty good one. In Indiana, three judges. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, we found three judges more misbehaving than us three judges. <laughs> and these are actual judges. Last May, there was a, a convention of uh, the judges. I, I didn't even know judges had conventions. But they apparently they do. In Indianapolis. And uh, three of them uh, were out drinking all night. And about 3 a.m., two men and one woman, Andrew Adams, Bradley Jacobs, and Sabrina Bell, they decide to uh, go to the Red Garter, let's just say a place where gentlemen uh, would, would hang out. Uh, I know, um, you know, some of us may or may not be familiar with the Red Garter in downtown Indianapolis. The Indianapolis Center for the Performing Arts. Indianapolis <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, Ballet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Red Garter. So these three esteemed uh, members of the bench go to the Red Garter. The Red Garter is closed. So they're a little they're a little chapped, apparently. They decide to go to the White Castle, which is apparently heard right yeah. near the Red Garter. But that is closed also because it's three in the morning and you're in Indiana. One of the judges then, two guys drive by and Sabrina Bell, the female judge, decides one of the men in the car in a passing SU yells at her or yells, she raises a middle finger at them. Well, the guys in the car get out. Alfredo Vasquez and Brandon Kaiser park their car after the gesture from Bell. This is according to NPR. This is a great NPR story. Bell and Vasquez traded further insults. Then the other two guys had to step in, the ju- male judges. A physical altercation ensued in for the four men. Uh, they started hitting and kicking each other, and then... Kaiser allegedly pulled out a gun and shot Adams once in the stomach and Jacobs twice in the chest. They were both seriously wounded, emergency surgeries, but survived. Jacobs was in the hospital two weeks. Bell tried to stop the fighting by pounding on the door of White Castle. The workers, of course, didn't didn't care. So should these three be disbarred? What is the appropriate penalty of three judges? I mean, what a night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a night indeed. <laughs> Three judges try to go to the Red Garter, uh, get turned away, decide to go to White Castle, not to get vegan stuff, and end up in a in a street brawl that ends in gun violence. Yeah, nothing good happens in Indian downtown Indy at three in the morning, I guess you would say. <laughs> Joe, uh, nothing happens in downtown uh, Indy at three. Yeah, I think I I I I am pretty sure all three of us have been in downtown Indy somewhere near three o'clock and mm. 
it's uh, it's not. Here's the. I mean, I don't know whether judges are supposed to be better than the rest of us in terms of comportment <laughs> or whatever. But if you are a judge, this isn't a terribly good look. Uh, it is kind of funny that, that like the the woman started it and then the guys had to finish it and they finished it by getting shot. I mean, pretty bad <laughs> turn of events. It's like she she starts the fight, she escalates the fight, then she's like, all right, you guys handle it. Go get them. Not good. Not good. These are our judges, our our, our publicly paid servants, right, of the, of the court. I don't know. I, if, I, if I'm standing in front of these guys, I am not accepting their their – and let, let me just give you – this is the penalties these three got for this. Jacobs and Bell were suspended 30 days without pay. Adams got 60 days without pay because he pled guilty to one count of misdemeanor battery, I guess, for being in the fight. Is he the one that got shot twice? He got shot. I don't know. I mean, that's pretty – that's a tough night. You, you, You get charged, you plead guilty, and you get shot. Hey, look, this is this is pretty easy. This pod, if, if, if we sort of persecute against people who are out in Indianapolis after last call <laughs> looking for food to eat, we, we would all be in the clink, man. Like yeah. every person on this podcast, because I've been I've been side by side with you yokels after after 2 a.m. in Indy. Steak and shake, baby. Right. That's what I was about to say. They should already know to go straight to steak and shake. Yeah. Don't go They're to out of White town Castle. judges. These hicks from the I mean, the little town judges like they didn't know. Yeah. yeah. You, you you stumble. Half the NFL is at the Steak and Shake at 3 a.m. during the combine every night yes, of, every is. night of the week. So, yes, I, I cannot fault the judges for not knowing Indianapolis stuff. I feel like you know. I, I wonder if the scene is like at the judge convention. Do you think there's people like bootleg robes in the lobby trying to hustle <laughs> the judges with them? Like this is their big weekend. They probably went to Elmo's, had a few cocktails, wanted to keep the night going. They have to live very regimented lives. So let the judges go. They made some bad decisions, but you can't disbar the judges. I, I just feel like that's too, and they got shot. Like, what's a, what's a bigger penalty than that? I had no idea a judge convention could be so good. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was would have thought that would be like boring as hell, but apparently not. I I once checked into the uh, I think it was a Hyatt that's right next to uh, Rupp Arena in Lexington. Yeah, and uh, everyone had their little you know these all these people in the elevator had their little uh, lanyard name thingy. tags. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was the Kentucky Mortuary or something <laughs> uh, convention. Oh. Lively. <laughs> it's going to be a rowdy one tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. One last one before we get the picks. Animal situation, and we need to get this word out. There is a kangaroo loose in Mississippi. What? Yes, a kangaroo. Unnamed female kangaroo. This guy, Mark Johnson, he is the owner of this G&J Traveling Pet Zoo. Oh, his name's John Mark Johnson. You got to have three names in Mississippi or you're nobody. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. The G&J Traveling Pet Zoo, Petting Zoo. He takes it around the state of Mississippi and uh, people pet pet the animals. Anyway, he was in he was in uh, Guntown, Mississippi. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Guntown. Oh That's good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm sure that the- does not exist. <laughs> Gun- oh, it does. Guntown. One word. I think I'm going to the Google machine John. right now. They named it after a guy named Gunn. But Is it near Hattiesburg? It's near uh, Tupelo. Tupelo. Uh, okay. Yep. How's the the Democratic Party of Guntown? Is like one woman. Just, just like. <laughs> 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 God, what a name! You, your high school football team doesn't need 
a a nickname when your town is gun town <laughs> who are you playing tonight you, they have like you don't a want to be revolver no. on the sidelines. <laughs> i'm scared of crap i ain't playing gun the gun <laughs> i'm just catching up to the democratic party being one, le- gun, one woman the gun <laughs> the gun town marlins or something cute like that no 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 you were gun town what you got a nickname no we'll shoot you if you ask again <laughs> population 2735 and one kangaroo and one so kangaroo. this guy this guy has got his petting zoo, and um, <laughs> he actually was not using the kangaroo, and this is the scary part. She's not real friendly, quote-unquote. She had been attacking the patrons of the petting zoo, of the traveling petting zoo. So guess how he, uh, the kangaroo got out? Jumped the fence. Yep. Yeah. Uh, couldn't see <laughs> that one coming. <laughs> Kangaroo's around four years old, between four and four and a half feet tall, and weighs 50 to 60 pounds. I love how they give a description like, it's, oh, it, it, which, which kangaroo is it? Yeah. Don't want to confuse it with the other kangaroos, the law-abiding yeah. kangaroos in Gunther. You don't want to frame the wrong kangaroo <laughs> that's hopping around gun down. This Oh, my God. So if you have any information, please call uh, the Lee County Sheriff or the Mississippi Highway or the Mississippi Wild Fisheries. But wait, the story gets better because I was looking it up. The the Daily Journal. I don't I think that's out of Tupelo. And there are letters to the editor. Ooh, the sound off reaction. Kangaroo (laughs) escape still missing. Terry Bain. I hope the owner finds her before someone tries to hurt her or worse. Kill the animal. You would think it would have some sort of collar with a tracking device. <laughs> just, just, just my opinion. Well, of course it's your opinion, Terry. This is the sound off in the daily. What's the bounty if captured? And it's, yeah. And it's deer season. Yeah, I don't think this thing's going to lock. <laughs> I've never hunted kangaroo, says Stephen Pounds. I wonder, does that fall under my sportsman license? I, yeah, I wonder. Ask later. Ask for forgiveness. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Ask check, after you've already mounted its head. Jeremy Green says, check the deer processors in the area. Uh, Elizabeth Breland warns, I hope the general public does not try to approach the kangaroo if found because those things will kick. Kanga becomes a Vander Holyfield real quick. <laughs> Holyfield never kicked anybody. Should probably send him to Starkville. They could use him on defense this year the way they've played. Jeez. Uh. Well, did either of you guys, neither of you guys went to the uh, Sydney Olympics, did you? Pete, you were like 19 no. years old. That, uh, that They had kangaroos in, in an, an enclosure by the media center, like I guess just to entertain us or whatever, or make us feel like we were in Australia. And they were mean. They were mean as hell. Like you did not mess with them. So like you come over and everything. No, they come over, they try to hit you. Uh, they were not friendly animals. So do not mess. If, you, if you're in Guntown, my, my word of advice, and I'm sure we have a lot of listeners in Guntown. Mm. Do not mess with the kangaroo because it might just kick your ass. Guntown, Mississippi. Look mm-hmm. out. There is a, we, we, we just want to warn everyone. If you see the kangaroo, call the wildlife people or just go over and film yourself trying to wrestle it down. I will, we'll play it on our social media. I mean, I want to encourage you, but you know, I kind of do. All right. Race for the case time. Hey, let's All update right. the standings. Let's update the numbers. All right, we're updating. Tap 40 is in the lead. Pat's alter ego. Barely. 43, 27, and 2. Pete Thamel, 41, 29, and 2. I am 34 and 37. And Pat is 27, 43, and 2. 
and you want to know how bad it is for Pat. He's getting all chesty here. Uh, he's 16 games under 500. <laughs> but I'm getting closer. I'm getting better. I'm improving. Better. He had a big week. Did Walt Bell of UMass notwithstanding. Yeah. Pat, did you write the section of the dash on the teams that have reinvented themselves to like inspire you this week with your picks? That's like, it, you, man. You could be your own Absolutely. late season turnaround story. Yeah. Yes. I'm, they're my kindred spirits. Absolutely. <laughs> Atrocious set of games. So let's just roll through this. SMU versus Navy. 3.30 on CBS Sports Network. Again, we're, we're, we're hyping games on CBSN. <laughs> <laughs> Winner keeps pace at the top of the AAC West with Memphis. God, Sully, you had to work for that. <laughs> that nugget. Good on you. Navy's giving three and a half. Uh, Pat, who you got? SMU or Navy? Man, I'm going to go with Navy. I just think at this time of year, that style becomes more and more problematic to play. SMU is not a very good defensive team. I'm not sure they're ready to tackle Navy for 60 minutes. So give me the midshipman to win and cover. Well, I like Navy all year, and they just laid a dinosaur egg at Notre Dame. And I always hate picking with Pat because the statistics <laughs> always say that he's wrong. That said, like, it, Navy's a hard place to play in that league. Uh, I think – and Navy had been really good on defense. Uh, they've been one of the best turnarounds in all college football this year under uh, Brian Newberry there. But I just – yeah, I feel like I'm going to take uh, – I'm going to take Navy minus the three and a half and, like, cringe when they lose by 28. <laughs> Sully Sol just wrote Navy in under my pick. On the wow, Google Doc. I don't. I mean, what am I? <laughs> that was scary. It just shows you how American you are, Dan. You're not going to go against the military. I'm, I'm, you know how American I am. I'm picking the chief of Texas. That's how American <laughs> I am. That is contrarian Wetzel. You tried to tell him what to do. He went the no, other way. Hell no, I'm picking Navy. Just got destroyed at Notre Dame. Not only did they lose by a million points, they got beaten up. Navy, you're out. I'm going SMU. Texas can leave the country at any time they want. You know, they can quit. <laughs> Dan's on team Trans Am. Yeah, Trans Am, SMU. All right, Temple versus Cincinnati, 7 p.m. on ESPN2. Cincinnati is giving 10 and a half. Temple can stay alive in the AAC title hunt since he has Memphis left. We got a lot of AAC here. Pete, you go first. You want uh, Bearcats or uh, Owls? I'm taking Temple. Ten and a half is a big number. Cincinnati's struggled the last few weeks against much lesser teams on the road. They'll obviously get a little bit of a jump playing at Nippert Stadium at night. It'll be Jack. They've got a long winning streak. They're very good. I just think they play a similar style to Temple, so this does not portend to be a high-scoring game. So I will take the Owls and the points. Well, I agree with every single syllable you uttered, but I can't pick with you because I'm trying to catch you. So I'm taking Temple and hoping that Nippert Magic makes up the 10 and a half. Uh, they've been very good at home. Cincinnati, long home winning streak going on right now. Uh, I had the number in the dash. I can't remember at the moment, but uh, it, they have not. They, they need a last second field goal to beat East Carolina. They need a last second field goal to beat South Florida. So that does not portend well. But at home, I'm going to say they raise their level and win by 12. Cincinnati win cover. I am taking Temple on this. I think low scoring game. I'm with uh, Pete. I'm not going to reiterate all of that. Pitt. What's our who's our tight end coach? <laughs> Tim Bruce. Salem. Yeah, Tim, Tim Salem. Salem. Yeah, Coach Salem. Coaching them up this week for a big trip down to Blacksburg. We've got a request in with EJ Borghetti from Pitt to get Tim Salem on the pod. He might be a good a like postseason pod guest. I feel like he's just dodged us for a year. I know. I know. I mean, how many people are dying to talk to Tim Salem? You Tell him we'll, buy, of... we'll buy him a case of Flat Mountain Dew, man. We'll we'll do what it takes to get him on. 
I have no part in soda purchasing, by the way. I'm out on that. If you don't remember <laughs> last year's a bit, Tim Salem, the the very very excitable tight end coach for Pitt, would open his Mountain Dew, let the the fizz go out, so he could drink it quicker. So he'd, he'd prep his Mountain Dews by so he could have them flat. That way he could drink faster. I love it. Uh, anyway, three thirty on ESPN two. If you are watching this game, go out and rake leaves. Do not watch this game. <laughs> Winner keeps pace with UVA for the coastal title. Okay. Virginia Tech is giving three and a half. What do you got? Uh, <clears throat> Hendon Hooker. I'm gonna, sorry, but I'm going to give you a little football here. Hendon Hooker, sophomore quarterback, is 5-0 and as the starter for the Hokies. Dual threat guy. Played well. He's yet to throw an interception in college. So I am taking Virginia Tech and riding with the resurgent Hokies to win and cover. I'm taking Pitt. Pitt's like the hardest team to pick. Like they're they're one of the most schizophrenic teams in uh, in America. I feel like uh, some of the Virginia Tech revival has uh, has has petered out a little bit the last few weeks. So I'm uh, I'm going to take the Panthers to uh, to cover there. I do think that'll be a close game. I don't know if it'll be a good game, but I do think it will be a close game. All right, enter Sam, man. I'm taking the Hokies. I will bet that it's not a good game, but uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Texas at Baylor. No <clears throat> note. No factoid from this is how bored he is of this. Three thirty on FS one. This game would have Dan, been so. Dan bad. also demands uh, no brown M and M's in his dresser room. By the way, no, so, man, I want a factoid. <laughs> I want a factoid. <laughs> Work with a star. I expect some. You know, Texas at Baylor. Baylor's given six. Pete, you're up. I'm taking Baylor. Uh, they're they've just been a better football team than uh, than, than Texas this year. I think Matt Rule will bounce them back. I think they'll be playing in front of another energized home crowd. And uh, I just think, like, if you look at Texas's recent history, they're going to struggle against a team like Baylor. And that's a hard place to play on the road. Some injuries, some attrition from the Longhorns. I think uh, I think the Bears cover. All right. I'll happily go the other way with Texas there. Didn't you just write a whole column about how Texas is <laughs> regressing, Pat, this week? Yeah, but I, I don't okay. think they're going to win. I think they're going to cover. Okay, fair enough. Six points. Here's why. All right. The la- here's the, the point spreads in the last three Baylor games, three, six, and three. Before that, they had another three. They had a two. Texas, same way. They played a ton of close games. So this is going to be a close game. I, th- I think it's a touchdown or less. And if it's slightly less, I'll take the horn. Or it's there. Baylor's one of those teams, guys, that I think we have seen where they they, they play over their heads until all of a sudden they lose. And then they j- just the mojo starts to dissipate. And I think that they maybe have left their best football behind them and will be vulnerable here. They may not win. They may win, but they're not going to win by much. So give me, uh, give me Texas in the six. This would be a stay away from me. I don't know what to think mentally on either. I can't, Texas isn't any good, but Baylor could just, yeah, they could, they could crawl back in. I'm going to count on coach rule rallying them. Uh, it's still a big deal for Baylor to beat Texas. So I'm going to take Baylor at home to win this big. And, and, and I'm a big believer in the style point time of season. You don't, you don't let up. They also, I don't know. Yeah, I'll go Baylor on this, but I don't, I don't love this game. All right. Penn state, Ohio state in the shoe noon on Fox, Ohio state giving 18. Will they, will they do it? See who went first? Pete went first last time. Pat, what do you got? Are they good enough to do it? Absolutely. I'm going to ride the recent history of this series and say it's closer than 18. Penn State will cover for the fourth year in a row. Penn State will not win. I don't think it's going to go down to the wire like the last three did. 
But hopefully it's a good enough game to keep us interested because, as Pete pointed out, there ain't much else to watch. So give us a close game, but uh, give me Penn State to cover. The one football uh, diatribe I was allowed on the podcast already, I kind of went into my reasonings, but I think Ohio State wins easily by by three touchdowns. I just think Penn State is a clear notch below them talent-wise, and Ryan Day has shown one thing. It's been He's been able to figure out teams where maybe they've struggled early in games in terms of loosening up defenses and getting guys open, and uh, the Buckeyes are not afraid to score, and my real worry here is Penn State scoring. I don't think Penn State scores more than 14. I don't want to keep agreeing with Pete, although – History says do that, but I'm going to take Ohio State. I've had a longstanding uh, policy here. I'm not backing against the Buckeyes. That's a lot of points, but they score a lot of points. All right, locks of the week. I get to go first, and uh, I am taking Oregon at Arizona State. Arizona State is a 16-point home dog. They have been doing nothing lately. They had it going well, but they've fallen apart. Oregon is rolling, and they need to win big. They know it. And they're going to just keep pounding it at the Sun Devils. So I am taking the Oregon Ducks. The Tua injury even opens it up a little bit more. They're going to be fired up to go. So I'm taking the Ducks, giving 16 on the road. I'm ready if you're not, Pat. Go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. In keeping with games no one wants to watch, which is the theme of this week, I'm going to take Wake Forest minus seven hosting Duke. Duke has been in a coma since that Virginia Tech win early in the season. Syracuse just blasted them last week. Wake Forest is better than the, what they showed, obviously, against uh, against Clemson, where they lost 52-3. to Wake does have some key receivers out, but I do feel like Duke can—I uh, I do feel like they can handle Duke because Duke couldn't score against that Syracuse defense, which is just atrocious. So, And a lot of times this time of year, it's like, who has more to play for? Wake could end up having a— 10 win season, which you throw a parade and build a statue for him at that point. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with the demon Deacons and Jamie Newman, Pat, there you go. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I am going to take Sully's Tennessee Vols on the road, getting four at Missouri. Missouri has just been atrocious for the last several weeks. Poorly coached, poorly led offense has fallen apart. Tennessee gets a chance to take a chunk out of Derek Dooley's hide, their former disastrous head coach. Vols are playing better. Vols will certainly cover the four, will probably win outright. Gimme Tennessee and my my great, great friend, Jeremy Pruitt. Coach Pruitt's got him coaching him up. I got to give him credit. Are you trying to kiss up to Sully, Pat? What's that? You're trying to kiss up to Sully, try to get some extra chicken sandwiches at the title game or something? (laughs) There's no point. He did kissing up to Sully. Sully went two, <laughs> Sully, zero points. Sully went two for five on factoids. I mean, I, I mean, what, it's not even bowl eligible on the factoids this week. <laughs> hey, I got you a list of, of crappy games. Uh, there's there's more stuff in the rundown we didn't get to. Season's not over. Sully's like one of these teams that are like, if you guys win out, you get you get to go to a bowl, and they're like, I don't want three more weeks of practice just so I can go to. <laughs> Sully's on the <laughs> NC State plan here. Yeah, he's packed it in. I'm putting on more steam. We didn't get to three quarters of this this rundown I made because uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good rundown. <laughs> you don't call I, I'm bad so glad plays. Pat took Tennessee because like. The potential for mockery on text message this weekend as Tennessee's getting obliterated by his own alma mater is just like beyond sublime. In a boring week like this, Pat has just put a big old bullseye on him for uh, for our text chain. I welcome the bullseye. I welcome <laughs> the bullseye. Do your civic duty, man.
<laughs> All right. We'll be back for the Monday re- overreaction. Big, big Thanksgiving week next week. Listen, you got to tell your friends. If not, listen to this, especially next week uh, or today's episode, too. I mean, this is pretty good. We had kangaroos. We didn't even get to the money laundering story. Uh, we'll save that. We'll, ma- we'll launder money. We'll tell you how to launder money. We got all sorts of things going on. Here. It's like Ozark in a pod. Vegans versus Burger King. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys Monday. See you.